Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hello and welcome to The Solo Collective. I'm Rebecca Seal. Thanks very much for joining us again. I wanted to talk today about friendship and I don't know about you, but I'm not sure that it's something I think about all that much. Obviously, I have been thinking about it in the run up to this episode, but I'm not sure that it's something that we pay enough attention to as adults. And actually, friendships are obviously vital and they're particularly vital if you're somebody who works alone. And so we need relationships outside of work and within work to bolster us and to help us gain our confidence and to just generally provide us with the social connection that makes our brains happy. So I'm really pleased to be joined by Amy Gallo. Amy is the author of the Harvard Business Review Guide to Dealing with Conflict and she's got a book coming out soon called Getting Along, How to Work with Anyone, Even Difficult People, which should be required reading right for all of us she also co-hosts the women at work podcast and is a contributing editor at harvard business review um, she's also really warm and really lovely and this was just such a gorgeous conversation to be part of and i feel like it's really given me some ideas and some ways to think about friendship thank you so much for joining us on the solo collective it's really good to have you here thanks for having me Something that I think about a lot when it comes to working by yourself is friendships, like not the networky type relationships that you have necessarily and not necessarily the ones that you that you're trying to kind of, for want of a nicer word, leverage, Mm -hmm. but the relationships that kind of genuinely arise out of work and aren't necessarily ones that have any particular kind of worth (laughs) in terms of your career, just the good ones, basically. And I think it's something which is quite complicated potentially for people who work by themselves. It kind of goes hand in glove with my thinking about loneliness, which again, I think about a lot, having experienced it. And yeah, so that's why I wanted to to talk about it really, to just to kind of get a bit of insight from you in terms of how we take friendship seriously. Because I think, do you agree with this? Do we as adults maybe sometimes put friendships a little bit too far down the list of priorities in our lives? I mean, I think it depends on the, the person and the, and the context. I think it's very easy, especially if you're working by yourself, building your own business, you know, whether you're a freelancer or a business owner, you know, you're busy. It's easy to just let it fall off the plate, particularly work friendships. I mean, you might have friends from college or former colleagues. You might have people who you consider outside work friendships because the demands on a solo worker are so great in terms of time. And because we have friendships elsewhere, it might be something we don't prioritize. I certainly agree with that. And that has negative consequences, right? I mean, we need those kind of friendships to bolster us. For sure. I mean, there's lots of research on the U.S. Surgeon General. Vivek Murthy has written a lot about this. He has a a book he wrote called Together. There's a loneliness epidemic, particularly in the U.S., but globally as well, that so many people are feeling isolated. So many people don't have human connection. And that just has 
really, really detrimental effects on our health. I read research that shows that the effect of feeling lonely is the same as smoking 15 cigarettes a day in terms of long-term health outcomes and health care costs. So there's no doubt that we don't want to feel lonely. And even if you have friends in other parts of your life, I think having work friends, the research has shown over and over how valuable that is in terms of feeling supported, being engaged with work, you know, wanting to stick a, with a certain career, not feeling dissatisfied. You know, I, I moved into solo work. I started freelancing in 2002. And I remember as an introvert, I was so excited. I was like, oh, I just get to be by myself all day. This is fantastic. And I, I really thought I wasn't going to need friends as a freelancer, as a business owner. And that turned out to be absolutely wrong. And in fact, I can trace the progression in my career as a business owner. According to the friendships I had, those friendships really helped me make big leaps in terms of what I was charging or what I was felt comfortable offering in terms of services or how expert I felt in a particular area. That was all because of friends who were also doing similar work. Granted, I did some of it myself, but they were the support I needed to take those leaps. So there's so many upsides and so many downsides to not having friends that it, I think it's, it should be a priority for everyone, no matter where you work, no matter whether you're an extrovert or an introvert, it should be a priority for everyone. So in what way did they support you? That's really interesting. What what was it that they brought to the relationship that allowed that? Was it just confidence or were they literally like, Amy, you should be charging more for that? It's funny you say that. I have a text that came in yesterday from someone who is a work friend, someone who I met through work, who does similar work to me. And she said, you are not allowed to take that gig for that price. Like, I will not <laughs> allow you. Like, she's like, that is not what I allow my badass friends to do. And so in some ways, it is the actual this, do this, don't do this. Sometimes it's just the confidence. More often than not, it's, I think I'm going to price this project at this. What do you think? And then I get the feedback. Well, I did that. And this is the pushback I got. Or I use this different tactic. It's both information, I think, emotional support, and then also bolstering my confidence. That's been a big one in terms of raising my rates, putting myself out there for things I may have not previously thought I would get. I find them to be invaluable. That's really interesting. I wonder if there is more to be made of those relationships in that way. Like, mm. I wonder if we could all, well, not we could all, I wonder if I <laughs> could be doing, <laughs> I wonder if I could be doing more to kind of support them and support myself. But it's not necessarily something that we're kind of taught very well, is it? Or indeed at all, that, like, how to make friendships and how to maintain them, particularly in a working environment, I think. You know, it's a skill. I don't recall ever being taught anything about it, not in terms of career and career progression. I don't recall being taught it in school. It wasn't part of our personal health education, for example. You know, I have a 14-year-old daughter who, the last year and a half of the pandemic and the isolation from other kids, she entered a new school this year and she's struggling to make friends. And, you know, granted, it's just a weekend. We all have to be patient. But I find myself actually teaching her those skills of how do you put yourself out there? How do you make yourself vulnerable? How do you create a positive experience with you and another person? How do you forge connection? How do you identify similarities and differences, right? All those things that we think we should know how to do instinctively or naturally, 
which we don't always know. And I do think we have to think about it as a skill. We also have to really think of it as a priority first, because when I first started out at work, there was a lot of like, work is just work. It's not personal. It's not a place to make friends. There was a lot of that myth around what work is actually supposed to be like. And I think we have to get over that. Can we also go back to what you were just saying about your daughter? Like you're teaching her. What are you teaching her? Because I think that's what we all need to be taught. I'm intrigued to know if there are sort of skills and techniques that we can adopt because as adults, even we need to know how to make new friends. It's not just kids. You know, there's a a woman who writes a lot about work friendships named Shasta Nelson, and she talks about three pillars of friendships, consistency, positivity and vulnerability. As I've been thinking about my daughter making new friends, I've been thinking about that. Consistency is that I see you on a regular basis. Like you sort of create the rhythm of we're, we're going to, to see each other regularly. And that, of course, helps, you know, give you shared experiences, which leads to that second pillar of positivity, which is that you want to have positive experiences together, whether that's laughing together, sharing something in common. I mean, I think parent friends are often easy because you have so much in common in terms of school, kids, all of that. And then vulnerability is sharing part of yourself and being open to a connection. And extroverts, I think, sometimes are great at this because they put themselves out there. And sometimes they're not great. You might be just sort of filling the space and not actually exposing any of who you actually are. And I think that's an important important piece of it as well. So those are the three things I think about when I think about trying to take a friendship from just being an acquaintance and someone you should, you know, go out for a drink with to someone who's an actual friend. Where are the places where adults can find friends? Because like, it's a very specific difficulty, right? If you're at home on your own working, where can you find either work friends or beyond work friends? Like, where are they hiding? That can be challenging (laughs) if you're at home, not interacting with people all day as you would in in an office. I think anytime you're looking to make friendships, you can also even put yourself out there. Tell your friends, hey, if you know anyone who does this, who's also a writer, who also is a podcaster, I'd love to meet them. Have people make introductions. I know people who've met people on Facebook groups or LinkedIn groups that are dedicated specifically to the field that they're in. This can be tricky, but I've also become friends with clients. So people who hired me and we really enjoyed the work together and we kept talking even after the project was done and and then became friends over time. Very unlike me, but on occasion, I've reached out to people who I respect in my field, either on Twitter, LinkedIn, and just say, I really like the work that you do. I wouldn't say those have led to deep friendships, but if I pushed them, I bet I bet they could. To a certain extent, it's about kind of an openness to it. Right. A kind of a general mm-hmm. sense yes. that you're open to new friendships and relationships with people and letting other people know that that's the case or signaling, I suppose. Exactly. Putting the word out there, right? Like I'm on the hunt for friends or I'm on the hunt for people who are in the same field who I want to get to know. And I think people really respect that. There's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with Plush Care. PlushCare accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board-certified physicians who can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify. Take charge of your health and speak with a board-certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you. 
Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. I guess the other thing that I was wondering about with work friendships, or one of the many things I've been wondering about, is how real they are necessarily. So Mm. I've definitely had relationships in more in offices where I've kind of thought of them as being very crucial relationships. And then I've left the job and then they kind of disappeared in a puff of smoke. And and I've never been really able to assess whether that was my inability to maintain the relationships or whether actually they weren't that real in the first place. They were forced by circumstance. I mean, you're making me think of some co-worker friends where I had the same thing happen. I'm thinking one in particular, I'm like, I really miss her. When she left the company we worked for, I was convinced we would stay in touch. And we had lunch once or twice, and then it fizzled out. The issue there is that you're missing that pillar of consistency. If you do want to maintain those friendships, you have to be proactive in doing so. Because Work has provided this convenient vessel for having consistent interactions. And I think we take that for granted with work friends that we'll just continue to see them. But we really have to make the effort to replace that with some other sort of consistency. Whatever it is, just building in that consistency so you have that regular interaction. Is there also something about accepting that some friendships are kind of time limited? And that that's okay. Mm. Like that not every single friendship has to last throughout your entire adult life. You know, I feel really lucky, but I also know I'm quite rare because I'm still very good friends with quite a lot of, well, not quite a lot. There's a little gaggle of us um, from school that were quite tightly bound by our experience. I feel as though you have a lot of other friendships, and maybe this is specific to being an adult, which have... I don't know, maybe specificity. Maybe that's the way of thinking about it. They were right for a particular moment and and then they drop away because they're not or you're not right for that person at that time. Or I like that a lot because I think there is a lot of emotion, whether it's shame or guilt about losing friends, right? Where where we getting out of touch, you know, and, and, and thinking, oh, I should I should reach out or, oh, I wonder why they haven't reached out to me. I tend not to shed friends. I keep them around for a long time. That idea that that a friendship is time limited, it makes me a little uncomfortable, but I like it because I think that's true. I think especially for work friends, you move to a different city or you move to a different industry or you have a kid or pursues, you know, you're really interested in some athletic pursuits, anything that sort of changes the rhythm of your life, of course, your relationships are going to get shook up a little bit from that. I wondered if we could discuss the downsides, the more difficult bits of work-related relationships. I'm thinking, I guess, about competitiveness and also, and this is less specific to friendships, I guess, but relationships which have had some kind of slightly toxic elements to them where 
it's felt like a friendship, but then you've realized you're being undermined or there's a complication when somebody becomes more senior and you're still junior or whatever. I think of the risks really around like boundaries. When you're friends with someone who you actually work in a company with, there is always a tension of, are we going to prioritize our friendship or are we going to prioritize our work? And that might be like a time issue. Like we're chatting all day and not getting our work done. But that also might be, am I going to compete with you for this promotion? Even though I know like it's what's best for my career, but not great for our friendship. Or if you're friends with your boss, which is also really complicated, are they going to give you information that other people aren't privy to because your friendship comes first or are they going to do what's right for the team and right for the company? So there's all those tensions around boundaries, I think, that we're constantly navigating. And competition is a is a big one. I'm, I'm very lucky that my fellow freelancers, solopreneurs, whatever you want to call them right now, were really incredibly supportive of one another. And you know, I work in fields with speaking and writing where there's there's lots of work. It's not I don't feel like we're always going up for the same projects or like I'm, I feel like more often than not, we're able to refer one, you know, one another to to clients. But those are real risks. And, and also, like you said, the sort of toxicity that can sometimes enter a relationship, which I think is mostly around competition you know, is this person going to try to take you down because they see your star is rising or are they going to try to take advantage in, in some way? Are they going to turn the relationship, which you see as a friendship, into a networking opportunity for them? There's all of those potential conflicts that, that could come up. And I think those are real downsides you want to look out for, possibly mitigate. But they're, to me, they don't discount the need or they don't outweigh the benefits of a friendship for sure. How do we keep an eye out for that stuff? Do you think are there are there ways to notice red flags? Because I definitely have missed the red flags at times. Like I'm thinking of a, a friendship that I had with a boss, and it just created a very weird dynamic in the end, where she had effectively just a lot of power. Really, I mean, she already had a lot of power, but then I gave her a, a whole load more. I wouldn't play that in the same way now. Even though I think that the relationship was a genuine one, we genuinely liked each other. That's a perfect red flag to watch out for. Like, does the relationship feel unequal in some way? Are you the one always sharing? Are you the one always giving? That's the, that's the other way to think about it, especially when you think about like relationships between solo workers you know, are you the one who's always sharing your template for proposals? Are you getting anything from from that relationship. And I've certainly started down the path of friendships with colleagues who I realize I'm, I really have nothing to gain from this. Like I like this person. I'd be happy having coffee with them once a month or once every other month. But ultimately, I feel like I'm just giving, 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 whether it's advice or confidence boosting. I'm not getting a ton in, in return. And so I think that's another thing to, to watch out for. Who's being vulnerable? Who's sharing? who's giving, who's taking. I think those are things to watch out for. One of the things I've learned over the years to keep an eye out for, and I was actually telling my daughter this the other day because she was describing an interaction with someone at school who she saw that person then interact with others. And I said, if you can find out how, how they behave with other people, that's such a huge clue to how they will ultimately be with you once you become with their friends. So I try to listen for when I'm getting to know someone 
How do they talk about their friends? How do they talk about their colleagues? Do they have other friends? Anyone who talks about like a big falling out with a friend, I'm always, that feels like a big red flag. And I think, oh gosh, that that could be us someday. I also have learned, you know, over the years to really pay attention to gossip because as you said, you know, especially in journalism, I think there's a tendency, there's sort of a gender effect to this too, of like we share vulnerable stories or we share information. There's lots of research on, on gossip as a bonding technique. I find out really valuable information about how the organization works or the culture from gossip. And yet I also want to make sure the gossip can be positive, it can be negative, and it can be neutral. And I want to make sure the person who I'm sort of forming this friendship with is not leaning heavily on the negative. You know, I've learned the hard way that someone who will gossip about others to you is very likely going to gossip about you to others. How do we figure out the difference between creating relationships that are sort of networky type relationships and ones that are friendships? Is there a way of kind of noticing? I do think there are many relationships that I started, you know, as a networking opportunity. I thought, oh, this person will be able to introduce me to these opportunities and they'll give me inside scoop on this industry or and that have turned into friendships. And then there's friendships, people who I really like, who I thought, oh, I just want to spend time with this person, that they've ended up being quite valuable to my network. So it's hard to know. I think the key is to be open that this is a relationship I'm interested in exploring, it may end up being more transactional. It may end up staying very work-focused as opposed to personal-focused, but also be open to the fact that it could become something else. I mean, I think the the thing I really try to avoid is trying to forge a relationship with someone with one goal in mind, and that being something instrumental that serves me and not them. I think it's just not fair to do that. I get people reaching out to me all the time who clearly just want one thing and actually truthfully just hurtful because it feels like so dehumanizing. I just don't, I feel like a cog in a wheel. Like you're just using me to get to the next place in the wheel or you're just using me as a stepping stone to to get what you want. So I think I don't want to treat people that way. But I think we have to be open. It's all, you know, as I said earlier, it's all relationship building. And this might end up being just a, a colleague who you talk to every four months, or this might actually become a lifelong friend. And you won't know at the beginning. I think that's that's the key. So that's really useful because that makes establishing relationships slightly less intimidating to me because I guess I, I quite often think... I should have a better network. I should have more contacts. I should, I should, I should, I should. But actually, if you approach it more from the point of view of like, that person seems nice. I'm interested in what they do. Let's just leave it at that rather than a kind of very work focused kind of dogged determination that you're going to extend your network. And that feels more, I don't know, comfortable to me. It just feels more natural. I think of myself as someone who's pretty good at making friends. I don't think of myself as someone who's good at networking. People think, oh, I have to build my network. You know, it's so self-serving to do that, to think about, well, I just have to make connection with other people who who have shared interests. Like that, to me, is a much easier way to think about it. And it makes those cocktail parties far less terrifying. Thank you so much. I feel like this has been such a lovely conversation and it's so useful, but it's also so sort of warm and reassuring that we're all working this stuff out as we go along, you know, that it's, it's complicated, but 
you know, quite lovely and can result in new relationships which are really positive for our lives and that we can kind of we can make good stuff happen through them. I've really enjoyed this conversation. And I agree. I think if the pandemic has taught us anything, it's the value of connection and, and human relationships and and that we're not always great at it. Like we've got to, we're working it out. Thank you so much, Amy. This has been a real pleasure. Thank you, Rebecca. I think that was such a lovely conversation to be part of. And I think one of the things that I'm going to take from it is just a sense that relationships are opportunities, not not to take from other people, but to create a kind of two-way street between you and somebody else. And it doesn't necessarily matter whether that happens in a work context or a non-work context. And relationships can start as friendships and turn into something which can be really valuable for your work life. And the same can happen the other way around. And we can't really predict where it's going to come from or where a friendship's going to go. But the important thing is a level of openness towards them and not thinking that just because we're grown-ups, we don't need to make new friends as we go through life. You have been listening to The Solo Collective with me, Rebecca Seal, a Chalk and Blade original produced by Fatuma Keira. The senior producer was Laura Hyde, original music by Dee Plume and engineering by Matt Nielsen. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50 luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Chalk and Blade.